Welcome to The Mothers, a podcast that centers the voices of women from across America whose children were killed by police. I'm independent journalist Georgia Fort. And I'm Nico Georgiadis of Unicorn Riot. This episode of The Mothers podcast features Matilda Smith, who speaks about her son Jafford Smith, who was 33 years old when he was killed by a flurry of 50 shots from St. Paul police officers John Corcoran, Mark Grundhauser, Jeffrey Corris, and Michael Tashida. This was after Jafford allegedly shot at a woman and police during a schizophrenic episode. Jafford was hit with 19 bullets. My name is Matilda Smith. My son was murdered by St. Paul police. Matilda shared with us how she came from a family of police officers, some of what happened to her son, how the media used the police narrative against her son, how deeply loved Jaffert was, and some of the mental health struggles he endured. And in addition to hearing from Matilda, we're also gonna hear a clip from an interview we did with Kay Smith in March 2017. Kay was Jaffert's wife, and along with Matilda, she had become instrumentally supportive in groups to help family members inflicted by police terror in the Twin Cities. Unfortunately, Kay passed away before Christmas in 2020. Without further ado, let's get into this episode. I'm a member of a family of police. My brother is a retired private detective. My cousins are police. I have police in my family. You have to look back when something like this happened to you and you come from a family of police. Oh, I had plenty of questions for my family members. I was angry at my family members and they didn't do anything to me because of what I had been through being police officers. One, my brother came here to the crime scene of my sons, which is a detective from Mississippi. And he did his own investigation. He also called BCA and told them that they had vigilantes on their force. And he said, what are you gonna do about it? Because this here, this picture that I'm getting, is not the right one. He said, we don't kill. As long as I've been in Mississippi my whole life, it has never happened. And so when I came here, I felt so unwelcomed because they killed my child. They killed my child on the east side of St. Paul, shooting him 49 to 52 times and going to get a sawed-off shotgun, not a sawed-off shotgun, but a shotgun, and splatter his chest with buckshot. Such a troubling incident. A large majority of police killings involve officers who have already had some complaints from their community interactions. We've talked about it before, when an officer harms or kills another, they become more likely to do it again. Yeah, this case is no different. One of the shooters, John Corcoran, has had numerous lawsuits filed against him for excessive force, including kicking a developmentally disabled man outside of his own home in the chest. Mark Grunhauser was involved in the killing of Guillermo Canez in 2014, though he didn't shoot Canez. Jeffrey Corris was recommended for a Medal of Honor for his work in the killing of Jafford Smith, and was also featured in the Washington Post in a Reader's Digest special in 2019 about police suicides. 
Corus's dad, who was a former police commander and now the director of security for the Minnesota Vikings, had hooked his son up with a police psychologist that specialized in eye movement desensitization and reprocessing to treat trauma. And it's crazy to think how even those who are acting violently have a hard time dealing with the trauma involved. Getting back to Matilda's story, she speaks of how she passed out upon hearing of her son being killed. He said, come to tell me almost 24 hours later that they had killed my son. I tell you, everything in my body stopped. My heart stopped. Every organ went out until I passed out right beside my refrigerator. These people, you know, telling me about it, they had a grin. Right now I'm trying to, I'm looking and I'm, I'm trying to, I'm out of my mind here right now. I don't know what to say, I'm in shock. But they said, oh, they killed your son last night and they shot him a lot of times. What? And they said, um, well, he was with some girl and we shot him because he shot her. I don't know what to think right now. I don't know. All I know is I know my child. You don't. You know, that's the way I felt with BCA. You just met him. My child is not a killer. He wasn't raised, he wasn't that, raised way. that way. Matilda said that the police and the news then demonized Jafford. But because of God and community support, she's been able to make it through this terrible incident. Terrible incident. They demonized, demonized him. him. Not only did they shoot him all those times and go get a shotgun and shoot him, spring with buckshot, but his pants was pulled down to the ground. And when he laying there, his pants is pulled down to the ground. Facebook showed us this before BCA could get in there and tell me this. People on Facebook had taken this picture and put it on Facebook while he laid there with his pants pulled down. Not once did I get a call from the chief. Not once did I get a call from anyone to explain to me why they killed my son, my baby. And they demonized, but I've learned why they demonized. I figured it out. It's a game. They demonize and they put it in the news and they have the news lying and they have everybody lying on him. They had everybody lying on him. It's a game and it's reverse psychology to keep us mothers from coming at St. Paul police. They want to throw that game at us. Your game doesn't work anymore. It stunned me. It, 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 it devastated me. I will never be the same ever. I have to go on just the way I am. And if it wasn't for my God, I never would have made it. I love God. And when you love God, you can't harm anyone. I can't hate them because I love God. But boy, the anger, I don't know how long I'll carry it around. And I don't know how far this is gonna take me, but it has taken me far. And I've met so many good people without the mothers of police brutality. I felt so, I felt alone. so alone. Without Monique Scholar Doty, Michelle Gross, King Dimitri, Black Lives Matter, Nico, I would have felt all alone. But because of all of you great people, I know that I'm gonna be all right. Be all right. Matilda spoke highly of the growing community of grieving yet supportive mothers and family members that helped her along. 
It was amongst this same community that she's provided years of support to other families as well. Matilda has continually been in the forefront of providing support for families, and with her work with Families Supporting Families Against Police Violence, founded by Tashira Garraway in St. Paul. Yes, and that's so important to Georgia, because for, for years, alongside Matilda was Kay Smith, Jafford's wife. We mentioned her in the opening of this episode. After Cordell Handy was killed in March 2017 in St. Paul, who we talk about Cordell Handy in mm-hmm. episode 10 yeah. of the Mothers series, because we talked to Kim Handy Jones. Kay attended a protest that disrupted a St. Paul City Council meeting. So while speaking to Kay outside the city council chambers, she talked about the want to help Cordell's family and how the similarities from her husband's killing mm-hmm. was, the, was to Cordell's killing. Yeah. We're going to hear from Kay right here. I'm just so similar that it um, is just really difficult for our family um, and we just want to do as much as we can to help this family um, because they're just getting started and it's going to be really difficult for them I'm sure to deal with the St. Paul police along with the BCA. What they do is release a very a version of facts that makes the police heroes um, and the person that they shot you know very a bad look for them. In the police reports you know the media made her his girlfriend when he had a wife you know and um, made it, you know, just, uh, you know, made it look just really, really bad for him initially. And the police reports have a totally different story. You know, she was a suspect in the police reports all the way up until the very end when she became a victim. It's just a totally different version of facts. And just like in this case where they made it a domestic violence situation right away, and it doesn't turn out to be that way, um, but it's a good look for the police and a bad look for the victim. And it's just what they do here. And it's really sad for the family and it makes it difficult for the family. And, um, And that's the hard part and I I hate that they do that. They try to turn the community against the family and we're just trying to stop that. You know, everybody involved I think. I mean I just got involved because I felt bad for the family. So he's drawing the similarity too because right away the news consistently was domestic disturbance with violence they said and they stated his past. Some things that happened 12, 15 years ago. have absolutely nothing to do with with the night and I hate that they do that. You know, all that should matter is that a man died and that the police did it. You know, and and then the real facts should come out and if they don't have the real facts then nothing should come out until they do you know I mean that's what needs to change is that you know this family also found out about it on Facebook that was very similar to our situation you know we were notified and then an hour later we saw a photo of my husband with his pants around his ankles you know bullet holes in his body Um, we'd only had an hour to even absorb the fact that he was dead and killed by the police Um, and then we see a a picture of him naked on Facebook and this family the police wouldn't you know wouldn't confirm or or tell them anything about you know the death and then next thing you know they're seeing getting notified by Facebook and that's just not acceptable you know there's got to be a different way there's got to be a way that the city of St. Paul can more kindly notify family members before social media does the whole system needs to change Now, Kay brought up so many points that day, from the police reports to the media reports to what the family then has to deal with in finding out, and the way that they found out through Facebook. The trauma she must have been going through even herself because of what happened to her husband, and then being in a community and seeing this happen to another person in the community. Yeah, it's, it's such a troubling situation. It's felt like she's just in, this incredibly strong person to even be talking about it and then to be proactively providing support to other grieving family members 
To me, that's one of the most amazing things, and really one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. The weight of these, the weight that these mothers and family members have to deal with, is incredibly immense. Again, Kay passed away in December 2020. Michelle Gross, she has worked for decades providing support to families impacted by police violence, and in response to Kay's suicide, she she talked about how that loss was also on the hands of the St. Paul police because Kay was never able to overcome the fact that the police killed her husband. Killed her husband. Say not alone in this fight Miss Smith yeah they killed Jeff it's physical but spiritually he lives through you his siblings and of course through his kid it's focused what they did 50 shots ain't right but it only takes one to ruin the family's life See, he was sacrificed so you can do the work you do so believe it when the chorus come back cause it's I true. wrote this song for you try to carry on for you I'm living on for you love's gonna guide me through I wrote this song for you, try to carry on for you, I'm living on for you, God's gonna guide me through. You're listening to episode 7 of the Mother's Podcast, presented by Unicorn Riot, featuring hosts Georgia Fort and Nico Georgiatis. Music in this episode by DJ Skiz, raps by MC Longshot, recording by Malcolm Wells, and post-production by Different Worlds and Music Groups. Now, Nico, we've had an opportunity to speak with Matilda on several different occasions. Mm -hmm. And the thing that moved me the most is just her recollection of her son. Take a listen as she reflects back on what she misses the most about her boy. Jafford had a sister and a brother. He also had a child, a wife. A grandbaby came right when he died. And I know it was nothing but a blessing from God. I know that my son's life was sacrificed for this work because God showed it to me like a month before he died. I woke up crying this dream and I cried for days about this. And when Jaffa come around, he come around every morning, eat breakfast with me. But I just held on to him and wouldn't let him go. He said, Mom, why are you, why are you, what's going on, Mom? Talk to me. I didn't want to tell him that God had showed me that, that he 
he was going to be gone. I didn't want to tell him. But I got so hard on him, and I didn't want him to go anywhere. I wanted him to stay with me. I wanted him to just be with me. I don't want you going anywhere. I felt if I keep him in, it won't happen. But I tell you something, when God show you something, it is going to happen. And I learned that from that. But I know that my son was sacrificed for this work. I asked God why. I keep getting the answer back because of my son. He was sacrificed for you all. I can't hate. Jafford didn't hate. Jafford loved everyone. Jafford had not a prejudiced bone in his body. You go on his page, you would see him holding. He was a, a lover of children. You would see him holding all color babies. Every time you look around, he's got somebody's child playing with him. All his nieces and nephews, he was their favorite uncle because he taught my granddaughter how to drive. Always something that he was teaching one of them. Now I got seven grandchildren and Jafford mingled in everyone's life. And it was bad when he died because the grandsons were so angry till they all went out and got shirts made with, uh, it said, fuck 12. And they went to school and they got in trouble for wearing them. I didn't know it, that they were wearing those shirts, but one day we went out to the park. I seen all three of those boys with those shirts on, and I said, oh no, oh no, you're gonna have to take that off. Grandma, why they killed our uncle? They killed our uncle, why? Because you're gonna have to take it off. You're not gonna wear it here. I said, you will be targeted. If you wear this shirt, you will be targeted by the police. I've lost Jefford. I'm not about to lose you all. I'm not about to and you're gonna take that shirt off right now. And so they did. But Jock has left an impact on all of the children in his family and all the children around. Every child, they don't even have to know him. They walk up on him and just hug him or they laughing at him or playing with him. That's just the way he was. He was a lover of all children. And I tell you, he made them laugh. When we go out to the park, all the children, would be on Jafford. Now, they got another uncle. They got another uncle. But Jafford was their favorite uncle. And they'd all be on him. You got some hanging on this arm. You got some hanging on this arm. And then they all get him down on the ground and he's wrestling with all of them. He was a sweet soul. His smile was contagious. I remember him uh, told me, you're going to the doctor. I said, and you're my father now? And he said, I am the man of this house. My father told me that. <laughs> so I said, okay, we'll go to the doctor. So we get in the doctor's office. Jafford is behind me walking, and everybody in the room, everybody in the room are smiling at him. They're smiling, and, they're, and some of them are grinning, and I'm, I'm looking around like I just walked in. Are they laughing at me? But no, they wasn't. Jafford dimples, Those, he got big dimples like that big round. <laughs> and when he smiles, it's contagious. And everybody in the room smiles. Everybody loved him. They didn't know who they killed. They didn't know who they killed. Jafford have bukus of people. And I'm telling you something else. We lost my husband through violence. Jafford, Jafford developed mental illness from that. He had three different ones, post-traumatic stress. He had schizophrenia and he had bipolar, but he was dealing with it. Dealing with it.
Matilda is talking a lot about mental health, mental illness, Jaffer with schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. That's also a continual topic in this series. Yeah. We have plenty of moms who have had sons who got killed by police right. during these types of mental crisis episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's a really serious situation across the land. You have individuals with untreated serious mental illness and they're 16 times more likely to be killed during a police interaction. Mm. And at least one in four fatal law enforcement encounters involved an individual with a serious mental illness. Those are stats from a study that was released by the Treatment Advocacy Center in 2015. And it was called Overlooked in the Undercounted, the role of mental illness in fatal law enforcement encounters. Wow, you know, mental health shouldn't be a death sentence. Mental health is not a crime. And so as folks are continuing to examine and re-examine policing across America, this is a serious question, a serious topic that should be explored, whether you're talking about reform or um, trying to accumulate reasons for abolishing the police. This. I feel like is um, the intersection for so many of these cases is an individual having a mental health breakdown, a mental health crisis. And instead of the police coming in to de-escalate or to intervene and offer help, they use fatal force. And so, you know, how, how can you change uh, the system or the responses that police departments have when someone is in the need of mental health treatment or mental health resources. You know, it just, I've, I've heard a lot of moms say that mental health is not a crime. Mental health should not be a death sentence. There's so many, and locally in Minnesota, there's so many of these cases. Like that stat, one in four uh, people killed have a, a mental illness, a serious mental illness happening. And it seems like that's the case here for yeah. sure, where you have continual uh, responses from the authorities when parents are calling for help and the authorities come and their initial reaction is to not de-escalate and we continually see the violence they then perpetuate on the community and then the impacts and bringing in Kay, bringing in Matilda, bringing in Kim Handy Jones, Kim Handy Jones who we're going to focus on a little bit more uh, in, in episode 10 again um, she's created a foundation. That foundation, Cordell Handy, is in, in her son's name. And they've actually been giving out headstones. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of their main keys because a lot of these families, they don't even have enough money to pay for a headstone. And a lot of times, these families don't have a place to even go grieve their son, their child, uh, their brother, their sister, their aunt. And Kim Handy then took it upon herself to start uh, giving some of these gravestones away. We're going to hear from Matilda sort of at this at this ending of how she feels that um, accountability needs to happen. And she also brings up how the police should then maybe pay for these headstones. Um, but I wanted to also bring in that Matilda did receive a headstone from the Kim Handy uh, during one of the banquets that Kim Handy had maybe March 2018. And so we're going to hear the last bit from Matilda as she brings in the idea of just wanting accountability and justice. One thing I feel like if they were made to 
pay for some of these funerals and pay for some of these headstones, I think they'll stop and, and be accountable. Accountability, Accountability is, what is what we want. And we want justice. We want justice. Thank you for listening to Episode 7 of The Mother's Podcast. You can find all of the episodes at unicornriot.ninja forward slash the mothers. And to find out more about my work as an independent journalist, head over to my website, georgiafort.com. You can follow my work, Nico Georgiatis, at Mr. Nico G on social media and nicog.work. Audio recording and engineering by Malcolm Wells. You can find my work at stonywells.com and at stonywells on social media. S-T-O-N-Y-W-E-L-L-Z. What up? This is Longshot, and I provided the raps for the Mother's Podcast. You can support me and my work at mclongshot.com. Peace. My name is Tariq Thornton. I help edit and produce along with DJ Skiz for Different Worlds Music Group. Peace. My name is DJ Skiz. I made all the beats as well as did the mixing and editing of the Mother's Podcast. You can check me out on social media at DJ Skiz, D-J-S-K-I-Z-Z, or at DJSkizBeats.com. You could also follow Unicorn Riot across social media platforms and find our work at UnicornRiot.Ninja. Unicorn Riot is a 501c3 educational nonprofit media organization dedicated to engaging and amplifying the stories of social and environmental struggles from the ground up. Support our work at UnicornRiot.Ninja slash donate. Part of the funding for this podcast is made possible by the voters of Minnesota through a grant from the Metropolitan Regional Arts Council, thanks to a legislative appropriation from the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.